So uh, hope is something that's talked about throughout the Bible, but in particular, it comes up a lot in the New Testament. So there's two halves to the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament's like pre-Jesus stuff. And, like, there's a lot in there. I can't summarize it in that. And the uh, New Testament is like Jesus and then what happened next. And hope is mainly talked about in the second part of the New Testament. And that bit is all, um, it's basically a bunch of letters. So this guy called Paul wrote a load of letters to a lot of church. Like, this is very simple. Like, it's a bit more than that. But he wrote a bunch of letters. And um, these letters are about, about what churches are doing great. They're about um, what churches are not doing so great. They're about how to love, how to have faith, and how to hope. And it is from that bit that we are going to talk about today. So, hmm, Bible. Okay, so we're going to, uh, I want to talk a little bit from uh, Romans, and it's in chapter 8. Is it up? A, it's up there. Uh, so Paul writes, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have, been, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope, that is no, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I threw my notes on the floor like I didn't need them, I do. There we go. Um, so I want to start by telling you a story about how I learned what hope is. Um, and if you know me, have seen me around, um, I'm often using crutches, um, sometimes a wheelchair, or I have random like splints and braces on various parts of my body. Um, the reason for that is I've got a, a joint condition which is long and complicated and I'm not going to bother explaining because you'll all fall asleep. Um, but it's something I've had since I was kind of born, but it didn't really affect me until I was a teenager. Um, and when I was uh, 15, I hurt my left knee. I mean, it was a bit of a freak accident, um, like, I don't know, freak injury. Um, and we saw some doctors, and it had been scanned, and it had been poked and prodded. And uh, the general consensus was, we don't really know what you've done, so there's nothing we can done to do to help. Um, and for me, this was a massive blow. I was quite sporty. Um, my shoulders were rubbish, so I couldn't really use crutches very much. Um, and I couldn't, like, weight bear at all on my left leg, and it was just really, really rubbish. Um, I was a Christian. I believed God could heal. So, like, I let people pray for me, and it was great, but nothing was happening. Um, and then during this time, I went to a Christian event. And uh, when you're at a Christian event and you're in a wheelchair, you become a human prayer magnet. Like, people flock to you to pray. And like, it's so nice and best intentions, but oh man, it is exhausting. So people were praying for me continually. And I was getting more and more frustrated and angry. To the point I was like, look God, if you were real and you loved me, surely you would have healed me by now. Surely you would have healed me. Um, and I decided eventually that I, I wanted to go home. I... This was, I, just was, I was kind of done with it. I was done with God. Um, so the night before I was going to leave, um, I was sat outside with my sister. And uh, these two people came over and said, 
can we pray for you? And I was like, no, go away. I don't want you to pray for me. And a little top tip, the quickest way to get Christians who want to pray for you to go away is to just let them pray. So uh, I was like, fine, you can, you can pray for me. And they're like, but we promise we won't pray for your knee. And I was like, good, good. So uh, they said this prayer, and then off they went. And then my sister, who, who I love dearly, very dearly, but uh, is the most stubborn person in the world, uh, she said, you know, you should, you should try your knee now, see if it's better. I was like, can you see it? Are you insane? She's like, no, no, try it. So I like, did this weird one-legged get-off-the-ground thing. And she's like, right, now, now take a step. And I'm like, Becky, what is wrong with you? I'm going to like face plank. She's like, just try it, just try it. So to get her to shut up, I took a step. And then I took another and another. And God had healed me. And it was incredible. And Everyone was really excited, and I was running around, and it was awesome, and isn't God great, and doesn't God love everyone, and isn't it amazing? And it was like that for about three weeks. And then three weeks later, um, I hurt my wrist, and I hurt my knee again, and my hip, and etc., etc. God had healed me, but he hadn't healed me completely. And if you thought I was cross with God beforehand, I was fuming with him afterwards. I was like, God, why would you, do, why would you even bother if you weren't going to do a complete job? Why would you even bother? I was like, it's like giving a child a lollipop, letting them like taste it and lick it, and then snatching it from them and throwing it in the bin in front of their face. It is cruel. Why would you do that? And uh, in all my shouting, God gave me a reply. And it's the first uh, verse of this chapter. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And um, I learned a slightly different translation, but it means the same thing. Um, the pain that you've been feeling cannot compare to the joy that's coming. The pain that you've been feeling cannot compare to the joy that's coming. And that completely changed my perspective on hope and my understanding on it. Because if you think about it, you can compare everything in this world. Like the very fact that things have similarities and differences means they can be compared. You know, I can compare Abby to a clock because there are similarities and there are differences. I can compare a cushion to that thing because there are similarities and there are differences. But what this verse says is the joy that is to come, and, and by that I think it means the joy that is heaven, the joy that is eternity of God, but also the good things that are to come in our lives still, the joy that is to come is so like beyond it. It's so like a completely different realm. Like I haven't even got the words for it. It's so like that, that it cannot even be compared to the pain that we're going through. It cannot even be compared. And I think that is pretty amazing because it shows to me that hope is choosing to believe that good is coming even when it hurts. And like in, in my story, that the, the example of pain is, is physical but, and, and emotional. But, you know, for you, your pain could be, could be anything. It could be emotional pain. It could be mental health issues. It could be like looking at yourself in the mirror and not loving who you are. It could be financial issues, issues of relationships, of school, whatever it might be. We've all got some sort of pain, something that we're going through that can be tough. And the other thing that this passage taught me is that that stuff, that rubbish, I'm just going to collectively call it rubbish, that rubbish that we're going through, it hurts, but it is temporary. It is not going to last forever. Because we have been told, we've been promised in this passage that there is good coming, that the joy is coming, which means our, what we're going through, the rubbish, is not going to last forever. 
And what will replace it is good. What will replace it is God. Okay, so if I was sat there, I'd, where you were, right there, I'd be like, that's great, Mary, but um, how do you know that good is coming? It's a bit of a bold thing to say, you know? How do we know that good is coming? My answer to that is Jesus. So when Jesus died on the cross, it says that he took on the sin of the world. And what it means by that is he took on all the bad stuff that we've done, all the bad stuff that the people around us have done, but also he took on all the sickness and all the pain and all the injustice and all the corruption and all the rubbish that's in this world he took on. So that when he died, all of the rubbish died with him. But the cool bit is that when Jesus came back to life, three days later, Jesus defeated death and he was resurrected. But all the rubbish stayed dead. And that means that God has won. God has defeated all the rubbish, however big it might seem. God has defeated it and he has won. And so we can be confident that good stuff is coming. We can be confident that the rubbish we're going through is temporary because Jesus has already won. We already know the ending. It's a little bit like a book. So um, when I was younger, uh, I used to always read books. And uh, I'd read kind of the first third of the book, get to know the characters, get to know the kind of start of the plot. Then I'd go to the back and read about the last four pages. Um, and then I'd go back to the middle and carry on reading. Um, and the reason I did that is because I liked to know where it was going. I didn't want to be surprised, you know? And it meant that when I was reading bits and I was like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen to this character. Well, I did, because I've already read the ending. God has kind of given us a sneak preview. He's kind of let us flick to the end of the book. He's given us gives a preview of what's to come. And the ending of the book, the ending of all of our stories, is that God wins. The ending of all of our stories is that good wins. The good guy wins. And so we can choose to delight in what's to come, despite all the rubbish that's going on around us, because we know the ending. The ending has already been written. So when you're looking in a situation, you're like, I physically cannot see a way out of this. Well, there is, because it's already been written. God has won. So again, if I was sat there, I'd be like, well, that's all very well and good, Mary. But um, if God has already won, why is there bad stuff around us? Like, if, if God has, has won and has defeated all the rubbish, then why am I still hurting? Why is there still hard stuff? And I think Paul touches on that a little bit in verse 22, when he says, We know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And uh, what Paul is saying there is quite simply, we don't live in a perfect world. You know, we're, we're still waiting for the good because we don't live in a perfect world. And that means that it hurts. It flipping hurts. And there is going to be rubbish around us. And it's not going to be easy. And it is going to hurt. And Paul even says um, eh, this bit. Uh, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly. Saying even us who, who know that Jesus is coming, who know that good is coming, even us who have seen that sneak peek at the end of our story, who know that God wins, who know that good wins, it still flipping hurts. And he describes it groaning inwardly, like I imagine like doubled up pain, like ow, that the stuff is still going to hurt. And that is why hope is so important. 
That is why it's so important to have hope because we are going to go through periods where it feels really crazy and heavy, but we've got to have hope and we've got to look forward. When you have hope, it means that you're looking forward when stuff is hard. You're looking ahead of you. You're looking towards the future when it's hard. And when you do that, it means that you're looking at Jesus. It means that when you're going through these difficult times, you have your eyes fixed on Jesus. And that completely changes how we get through it. Yes, it still hurts. But how awesome would it be if whenever you were feeling like, God, this is hard, you looked up and you just saw Jesus at the end saying, look, I've written the end of your story. I know it hurts. I know it's hard, but I'm here. I'm at the end of your story. You know, every time you, you get out of bed and, and you really just feel like you can't and you really just aren't feeling that day, every time you're getting out of bed and overcoming that, you are declaring, God, I see you, I see you, and I have hope in you, and I have hope for my future and what's to come. Having hope is choosing to walk through the rubbish, even though it hurts, because you can see Jesus at the other end. So uh, I would then argue back in my scenario that I've got going on here. I'd be like, well, that's great, Mary. But um, if good stuff is to come, and we believe that God has, has promised that, and that's going to happen, then um, why doesn't God just like wave his little God wand and make it happen? I don't think God has a God wand, just to clarify. <laughs> I don't think that's like sound theological teaching, so forget that line. Why doesn't God just be God and, uh, and make it happen now? You know, why have we got to go through the rubbish now? And I would reply to myself, Mary, that is a great question. And uh, I can't answer that fully because I'm not that clever. But I think Paul answers it a little bit. And he says at the end, um, for, no, that, yes, he does. Sorry, just great reading. Uh, But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Like... You can't hope for something that you have. Like, you, you just can't do it. It doesn't make sense. I can't stand here and say, I hope I'm wearing a watch because I can see my watch and I can feel it. But I can stand here and say, I hope I'm going to wear a watch tomorrow because you know, anything could happen. I could, like, chop my arm off, for example. <laughs> or I could lose my watch. That's probably less drastic. I could lose my watch. I don't know why I didn't think of that one first. That's a little bit scary. Okay. I can't hope that I'm going to wear my watch now because it's already there, but I can hope for it to come in the future. And that's kind of what we've got to do now. We've got to say, look, I don't fully understand why the good isn't here now, but I'm, I'm going to have to just hope in the future. I've got this situation that I've got, and it's hard, and it's frustrating, and I'm angry about it, but instead of, of getting consumed by those emotions, I'm going to look forward, and I'm going to look forward to the future. And... Uh, man I wish I was like Paul he the bit where he says at the end um we wait for it patiently like I wish I could stand here and say um you know it's it's hard but actually I'm just waiting very patiently for the good things to come you know there's a lot of rubbish but I'm I'm very patient about this like I'm not I'm like God come on like have you seen what's going on like we need you now God but we've all just got to be a little bit more Paul. We've got to have a bit of patience. We've got to have patience through the stuff that hurts. Turn my page. 
the good stuff is not here yet, so we need to hold on to hope. I've written my next note in yellow, and I thought that was a really good idea at the time. Okay, I see it, sorry. Imagine if we lived in a, in a community and in a society that was ruled by hope instead of fear. Imagine if when we went into our schools and you said to like, students, what do you want to do when you leave? Rather than saying things like, oh, I don't know, whatever. They would say, like, do you know what? I'm so excited about what God's got in store for me. I'm so excited about my future. I'm excited because I know the ending of my story and I know that God wins. I'm so excited about what's to come. Imagine if every time it got hard and it felt heavy, we could look up and with our eyes fixed on Jesus, we could, we could declare that we have hope over every situation. And so my prayer uh, to, to all of you um, and to me, to all of Swindon, is that whatever pain you're going through, whatever situation you're going through that feels hard, that feels painful, that has you doubled up, that you think there's absolutely no end to, my prayer A would be that you know that it is temporary, it's not going to last forever, it might feel like it, but it's not going to last forever. My prayer would be that you know the ending, you know that God has won. My prayer would be that you'd be able to stare that issue that rubbish in the face and declare over it that my God has won. You might seem hard, you might seem difficult, but my God has won. You might be like weighing me down and I feel like there's no way out, but my God has won. Hope is choosing to delight in what's to come despite the rubbish you're going through. Hope is choosing to delight in what's to come despite the rubbish that you're going through.